Embracing the Beast, Part 5, by Matthew Vandergeesen. In my work, I very seldom see people because they feel good. I see them because they have not been able to find a way of dealing with their bodies anymore. Either they have been so good at quieting that they cannot feel anything anymore, or, more commonly, the beast in their body experience has become so strident and insistent that it breaks through all efforts to contain it. But before we can come into any relationship with the caged beast within, we must find our way, like the prince, through the ring of thorns, or like beauty, through empathy and through her heart. Every day, beauty is confronted with the frightening and repulsive reality of the beast, but at night, a strange thing happens. In her dreams, she meets a young prince, handsomer than anyone she'd ever seen. And with a voice that goes straight to her heart, he comes and says to her, Ah, beauty, you are not so unfortunate as you suppose. Here you will be rewarded for all you have suffered elsewhere. Your every wish shall be gratified. Only try to find me out, no matter how I may be disguised, as I love you dearly, and in making me happy you will find your one happiness. Be as true-hearted as you are beautiful, and we shall have nothing left to wish for. In fairy tale, love is won and transformation wrought most often by those who are true-hearted. And in bodywork, the same is actually true as well. By a heightened sense of empathy, by exploring what is felt, by following the way of the heart, here too healing is wrought. To get back in touch with the place of injury, we have to be able to feel the place again. For the reintegration of graceful and expressive movement at a place of bracing, we have to get a feeling of the sense of self we have in that place, the sense of self that brings expression to motion, as in anything learned or relearned, we have to get a feel for it again. It is as if we have been pushed outside the experience of the body in that movement or place. The movement of control, that movement that Feldenkrais describes, is the movement of form without feeling, like the movement of the robot. To find the feeling in movement and new movement in the body, it is essential to get back in touch with what it feels like there, at the place where bracing shows the vulnerability of injury. But how to open the heart or learn to relate in feeling again? The answer is in those signs of life that are so immediately controlled when we brace in the face of stress, breath, and movement. Breathing connects us deeply with the rhythm of life. It is a rhythmical movement itself, moving breath in and out, the ribcage in expansion and contraction, and it has an amazing ability to move us into and out of experiences, feeling the intensity of body sensation more with an in-breath than less with an out-breath. When we control breathing, we control that ability to expand, to contract our dialogue with bodily life. Control on breathing physically controls our ability to enter into the experience of life. Movement too has a connection with involvement with life. If breathing gets us in touch with the feeling of life, movement allows the expression of what is felt. We are moved to laughter and tears. We are moved to dance for joy and strike out in anger. 
We are moved to embrace with love and push away with disgust. In fact, the only time we are not moved to anything is when we can't feel. And here we have beauty not feeling as if she can embrace the beast and beast locked in his beastly form, needing her to embrace him if he is ever to become human again. How often do each of us feel so tight and locked up in our bodies that we don't even feel human? And yet this is the very beastliness that needs our connectiveness with its pain before it can be released to itself again. Every night the beast would come to beauty and every night before he left her side, he would ask, Do you love me, beauty? Will you marry me? And each night she would say she could not, and he would turn sadly away. It is only when she has left him again, returning to her family for a visit, that she finally realizes how much he needs her and how much she misses him. And when she returns, it is almost too late. She finds him lying almost dead in the garden. Oh, he is dead and it is my fault, says Beauty, crying bitterly. But she revives the beast with water and cries out, Oh, beast, how you frighten me. I never knew how much I loved you until just now when I feared I was too late to save your life. How can you love such an ugly creature as I am, says he. And at that moment, when she realizes her connectiveness with him and acts upon what she feels, he is returned to his true form and they are united. Working with healing the body is much the same. When there is no answer to all our attempts at manipulating the physical shell, touching through feeling and being moved to the expression of what is felt, frees the body from the spell of denied life experience and reunites the body with our being. We breathe in, and with that breath, allow the flood of sensory information to work on us, to move us. We give up control, and in that moment, give ourselves the possibility of accepting and internalizing and owning a part of ourselves again. In this reuniting of body and being, there is necessarily a change in consciousness. In each of our stories, change is brought about in physical appearance by a change in consciousness. For the prince in Sleeping Beauty, it seems that he has to be there at the right time to somehow be connected with the flow of fate. For Beauty and the Beast, she has to learn to act from her heart, not from the appearance of the eyes, the perceptual input of the rational mind. And strangely enough, the Frog King must endure a surprisingly different fate at the hands of his princess. But even she delivers him from his frogly constraints when she finally succumbs to her fury at his impotent and persistent demands and gives it expression by tossing him against the wall. In each case, there is an action out of feeling and with it a deepening of relationship and a change of form or consciousness because of it. Although we are not told by the Grimm brothers, of what it was about the Prince in Sleeping Beauty that allows him to succeed where others have failed. Here too we see hints of the theme of transformation when we are told that when the Prince drew near the hedge of thorns it was changed into a hedge of beautiful large flowers which parted and bent aside to let him pass and then closed behind him in a thick hedge. What was there about this particular man that brought this thorny hedge into its flowering? 
Perhaps we have a clue if we know that the word flower has its etymological roots in the word bell, B-H-E-L, whose meaning speaks of creation at its moment of expression and of masculine and feminine and creative relationship. Wonderful images of the creative union of body and mind. In each of these stories, we can see that transformation is wrought when there is a change in the relationship to the bearer of the problem, whether it be beast, frog, or sleeping princess. The body, reduced to its unconscious or animal form, needs a recognition of its inner needs, its hidden truth, before awakening to a full participation in conscious life once again. It is seldom that we are aware of the movement into the world of unconscious bracing in the way that the construction site worker was. More often, we only recognize our created limitations by the constraints they put on our lives. How often have you suddenly been aware of a leg that has fallen asleep, but couldn't say exactly when it started to happen? In the same way, the act of distancing ourselves from body trauma puts the fairy's spell of sleep upon us. And just like the awakening discomfort of a sleeping limb, it is only in awakening that we truly start to feel again. Reawakening is not all the experience of pain. All body sensation calls our attention to the body and gives us the opportunity of deepening our relationship with life as the body presents it to us. In bodywork, sometimes the deepest and quickest change will happen at a place where an itch has developed. Only when the sensation levels increase in intensity and resistance to integrating the intensity develops does painfulness become a dominant part. Often, only when the sensation levels increase in intensity and resistance to integrating the intensity develops does painfulness become a dominant part of body experience. Still, whatever the type of sensation, release from tension will always occur to the extent that we can allow ourselves to internalize and be moved by what we feel. Whether in fairy tale or everyday life, allowing ourselves to internalize life experience means a change in consciousness. Although a frog may not leave a massage table as a prince, any time a release of body tension occurs, the person who has experienced that release will also feel different, released to the degree that they have experienced that release at a body level. Only those who say I felt nothing will feel no change at a body or inner level. Of course, it is possible to create body change without a change of consciousness. And certainly, any release in the body, however it is achieved, will create change in consciousness. It is, for example, part of the eternal attraction of massage that it leaves us feeling released and more at one with ourselves. But it is only a change that is as deep and long-lasting as the extent to which it moves into the bearer's life relationships. Because of this lack of internal change, it is most common for the effects of bodywork to quickly wear off, usually within a day or two. Working at the temple of the body with a commitment to relationship will inevitably initiate changes in perspective. These will seep into life situations and create the opportunity for a changed perspective in life, one that has been described by one of my hardest working clients as an attitude adjustment. 
Sometimes the realization can come in as simple a form as watching tensions move back into the body as the daily work schedule is moved back into. I remember one woman who told me that one morning she was reaching in the cupboard for her morning cereal and she suddenly realized she was tensing up as she prepared herself for work. But in each instance that it occurs, a new awareness of the previously unconscious movement to bracing occurs at the same time as we see a previously unnoticed way in which we relate to our lives. Bodily changes that are created by force or by the manipulation of body image will also create change. For example, it is possible to train the body to move in a more graceful way. But again, to the extent that these changes are not accompanied by a change in consciousness, that we are not transformed inwardly by their experience, the impulse that originally created the body tension will remain a subdued force that lurks below the level of our consciousness waiting only until our will weakens enough for their impulses to influence our lives again. The results of this approach to the body can be seen in the problems that often come to athletes as age approaches. It can also be seen in the failed treatments of body therapy where the treated problem only surfaces again in the same or altered form as the ways of relating to life that created the problem in the first place work their will on the body again. Creation of imposed body patterns that do not create with the problems that initiated the symptoms can also be seen in the layering of releases in the body. This is something that is particularly noticeable as there is movement towards deep release in body work. What is initially presented is always a place of discovery, of sensations whose only awareness till now has been buried in our memory. Here is a place for the moment of truth. This is the place of meeting with the external face of the formerly denied body experience. It is the moment of touching a wound. It is the moment when the prince must brave the touch of the hedge of thorns, that beauty must kiss the beast, the princess must touch the frog. It is the moment when we must choose to touch the wound with feeling. Only then can the thorny hedge turn to flowers and open to the life contained within. In bodywork, this means that the therapist must find the right touch to meet the needs of the wounded body to open to what is felt. For the bearer of that wound, opening with breath into embracing what is felt, it means finding a way to express the release of experience and the bound-up life energy that has been held in that experience. The way to expression can be as simple as a deepened breath that turns to a sigh, for the athlete, it may mean only moving in a way that moves from and feels responsive to the place of injury. For one whose hurt runs deep into life experience, it may mean dissolving the holding of that hurt with tears or nurturing the hurt body with candlelit darkness and warm baths. The correct way to respond to the needs for release can never be fully fathomed by the rational mind. It must be felt and brought to expression. Only then, will the wounded body and being release to a new relationship with life. Thank you for listening to Embracing the Beast. It's my great pleasure to share it with you. Hi, I'm Matthew Vandergeesen. Written as an article for Massage Magazine in the early 1990s, 
Embracing the Beast has sustained some of the most constant interest of any of my published works. Originally intended as information for massage therapists and clients, Embracing the Beast draws upon my experience as a massage practitioner and somatic educator. It explores how we get disconnected from the body, our stuck relationship with discomfort and pain, and the unexpected pathways that can lead to healing. Embracing the Beast provides a foundation for many of the perspectives that inform the Embodiment Project. You can find out more about the Embodiment Project at somatics.ca. Thank you for listening.